What up, guys, and welcome back to Board and Nerdy. I am your host, S. Dan the Legend. We are doing this thing live right now on Twitch as well as recording. I totally just punched my closet door next to me if you heard that. I don't know what episode we're on. I want to say like 12 or 13 at this point. Um, I've kind of lost track. I'd stop counting things. Counting is hard. I don't want to do it anymore. Um, so we're having an awesome little conversation in chat right now, and I, I decided to go live to talk about this next little piece because uh, it's a fun little you know insight into my life. Um, full disclosure, guys, this episode today is going to be deep into my thoughts on the current state of video games. So those of you I know that listen specifically for board games or TV show recommendations or comic book stuff or book stuff, uh, sorry, we're not really hitting on that today, so you can just skip on to next week if you want, or go back and listen to your, your favorite episodes. Um, but we're sitting here in chat, and we're just talking about how it's, it's the missus' birthday on Friday. Uh, she gonna be old, like me. Um, no, man, we're, we're, we're young, young people, young at heart. I will never grow up, you can't make me. But I'll just talk about how excited I am, uh, for a tradition we have, and... I grew up with a lot of traditions and my, how do I say this politely? All right. I'll tell you about the traditions first. Okay. So I come from an Irish and Polish family and the Polish side has a lot of Hungarian in it as well. Okay. Um, and for those of you who don't know, these are cultures that like to have big families and big family gatherings. Um, we had traditions around Christmas time making a stuffed bread situation called Dioche. Dioche is, um, uh, all right, for us Americans, imagine stuffed breads, like an Italian bread, right? You know, they usually have like spinach and cheese and, or, or meatballs and cheese or pepperoni and cheese, you know, uh, stromboli, if you will, if we want to get proper. Imagine something like that, but sweet and made with brown sugar and walnuts and... Um, it kind of, the taste reminds me a lot of like a baklava situation. So around Christmas time, um, in between Thanksgiving and Christmas, all the women of the family and all of the young children, men or women, um, would get together to, hold on, I, I'm sorry, work email is just pinged. I don't know if that came through, guys. I forgot to close that. Ugh, gotta shut things off sometimes, you know? Welcome to live content. So we all used to go over to my grandmother's house. Um, there was my grandmother who had only my mom. Uh, the rest were all sons. And then her sister, who was like the reverse, she had all daughters with one son. And then each daughter that was there had at least two. Actually, I think my mom had the least amount of children with only two at the time. I think everybody else had at least three or more. Uh, Kathleen had like, I don't know, 17 kids. I'm, I'm exaggerating. Um, but the point being is very large families and we would all go there and we all had our different roles and music was playing songs were being sung. My grandmother had one of those old record player chests, uh, with the dual turntables on like the far ends. Uh, with the big cabinet speakers. The reason there were dual turntables for those that are like, oh, was grandma a DJ? No, because back in the day, and I'm talking like on a Thursday, it was back in the day was a Thursday. Um, you used to have to have different record players 
based on the speed that the record needed to rotate in. Right? So you guys might hear of like people talk about spinning 45s, which was one of the most common size for records for DJs. Um, there, there was different revolutions per minute that you had to play. Now we're spoiled. You could go to up here. There's a chain called Urban Outfitters. I think they're nationwide. I don't know. But you could get a MP3 turntable Bluetooth speaker thing that plays every speed of record available. But it was really considered a big deal that my grandmother had these dual turntables. So uh, all the young kids could bring their, um, their rock albums. And then she had a lot of, you know, stuff from, as she would say, stuff from the old country. Uh, my grandmother was Flynn. So she brought the Irish in. And we would hear lots of, uh, you know, Celtic and Gaelic folk songs. Um, so we'd be out sitting there, mixing up the Dioche, rocking out to some tunes. And everybody had their jobs, right? Nobody touched the oven except my grandmother. Um, and the next generation down was in charge of mixing all the ingredients. And then as youngins were in charge of creating the ingredients now when i say creating the ingredients imagine like a workbench vice like a metal old school heavy screw down vice but on top of that put a meat grinder all right we used to take that meat grinder and you stuff it full of walnuts and you had to grind up the walnuts but you couldn't get more than like a handful in before you had to take the whole thing apart clean it out and keep going now Blenders were a thing at this time. Um, but grandma refused to allow blender use. Like, her family made this bread with that grinder for forever. Whatever. Which I find to be funny because Dioche actually comes from the other side of the family. Um, not the Irish side of the family. I believe it's a Hungarian thing. I don't know. I'm terrible at my family history. But we had this tradition. And then everybody came to grandma's for Christmas. You had Christmas morning with your immediate family, right? Mom, dad, siblings, you guys ripped open your presents underneath the tree. And then around lunchtime, we went to grandma's for Christmas dinner, which why the hell is Christmas dinner always at like between 1 p.m. and 3 p.m.? Like I say breakfast at 9, bro. I'm not trying to have dinner at 2. But anyways, we'd all go over to grandma's. And that's when you got to pick up your loaf of dioche. Because for one reason or another, Dioche had to sit for a certain amount of days to allow like the flavor in the middle to permeate, and then it was frozen until Christmas. So you went home with, like, I just remember beating the ever-loving hell out of my older brother with this frozen stick of Dioche on the way home from Grandma's. Because uh, it was about the only way at that time I could beat him up. Fast forward two years, and I was twice his size, and beating him up was easy. Um, but we had these traditions, right? Easter, we had the egg hunt in grandma's backyard. Well, over time, grandma got, got sick. And these, these traditions kind of died off. And we lost these traditions. Uh, grandma got Alzheimer's and she had one of the longest battles I've ever heard of with Alzheimer's. She was diagnosed in the late 90s 
it did not pass away until four years ago. Um, doctors kind of credited that to the fact that she was so mentally active. Um, she did a lot to develop uh, her cerebral cortex as far as, you know, challenging it in the ways of crossword puzzles, reading books. Uh, she loved, I got my uh, debating skills when everybody's like, you always have to be right. I learned that from my grandma. My grandma used to take me on car trips to the museum and everything. And we drive like hours away. And the whole way there, we just debate about stuff. And I'm talking like eight years old, grandma and I are arguing. And she taught me a lot of my debate skills today. So all you guys are like, you said, you're never wrong. Or S Dan, as I'm known now. Yeah, I'm never wrong because grandma taught me we're never wrong. But as grandma got sick and was unable to host these events, um, these traditions kind of died off. We don't really, we don't get together. My family never gets together uh, anymore for holidays. Uh, the only times we really see each other are weddings and funerals. And um, it kind of bums me out because I grew up with all these traditions, you know? So we've been developing, I would say this is maybe the third or fourth year that we've done this. Um, and the cool thing about it is we started this before my wife and I got married, uh, where her family and my family would get together at this rinky-dink, run-down shack on the water uh, about 30 minutes down the highway from where I live. Um, those that are in the area might be familiar with Lobster Landing in Clinton. I'm not kidding you guys. This is like the roof of this shack. Every winter, I wait to hear that it fell in. It, it looks like the roof on Hagrid's hut in Harry Potter. But instead of it being like a uh, cone, you know, it's your traditional triangular roof. But the middle bows in and it almost looks like a horse saddle. And the backside of this shack goes right up to the water where all the lobster ships come in and have to go past to where they actually park. But they'll stop and they'll they'll sell lobsters to this guy first. Uh, this guy is like I don't know if he's Italian. I've never really heard. Um, oh God, what's his name? His name sounds a lot like Nonky. Um, no, it's not Gucci, but it's got that sound where it's like you could be from a Slavic country, or you could be Italian because it's got that that. Like the the name of it, um, the missus is texting me that's Giuseppe. It's not Giuseppe. It's not Giuseppe. If it's Giuseppe, I'm gonna cry. I hate it when she's right. I could have sworn there was like that double C, almost S sound in his name, but I'll I'll accept Giuseppe for now. Let's call him Giuseppe. Let's say he's Italian. This dude is straight out of a Jimmy Buffett song. Rocks a bandana, big Santa Claus beard, but has got like the leather skin of a man that just works in the sun all day. And he's got that, that joy that I feel like only comes from doing something that you absolutely 100% were put on this earth to do. And he's a character, man. And uh, we go down there and we grab... Uh, lobster rolls. They sell lobster rolls, hot dogs. I don't think they do hamburgers, but they literally have like a grill like you'd have in your backyard outside of the shack. And they don't do sides, but you're allowed to bring your own. 
they have drinks there, but it's just like Snapple and um, like lemonade and bottled water. But you could bring your own beer if you want. Like they encourage you to bring your own stuff. And all the seating is right there on the deck and on like a gravel driveway at picnic tables. So her family and my family, we've been going down there and, uh, you know, everybody brings a dish and we sit there and we, we, my stepfather's birthday is tomorrow. The wife's birthday is on Friday. Um, my little brother's birthday is later in the month, but it's just kind of like this cool little vibe where we celebrate my stepfather and her's birthday. And we've done it for the past few years. And we were really worried that um, with this year, like COVID has made it so it's kind of hard to do that. Uh, they are open, but it was very limited scene to begin with. And there was a lot of concern with the fact that, you know, my parents are in their 60s. Her parents are in their 60s. Um, I'm a hot mess when it comes to my health. My my, uh, I've got multiple autoimmune situations going on. So, like, we were worried it wasn't going to happen. So, we're rocking that on um, Saturday. We're actually going to go pick up lobster rolls and bring them to my mother's house, which is... So if Lobster Landing is 30 minutes from my house, my mother's house is probably 15, 20 minutes down the road. I don't even know. I don't pay attention when I drive. I just crank the tunes and try to forget what I'm doing. So I'm looking forward to that. It's, it's you know, the reestablishment of traditions. Um, and I think that's something that a lot of people have lost. If you look at, we live these lives where we're so isolated in our, in our households, in our nuclear families that, you know, the idea of, the big family gathering has kind of been lost. So we're doing that on Saturday. And then on Sunday, we have um, what I call the chosen family gathering. Um, you know, where it's all the missus's work friends who have become, you know, my, my friends by proximity. Um, and we're going to do a grill and chill in the backyard. And it's just, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a busy week, which is why we're doubling down right now on Bored and Nerdy and immediately following this 60 minutes or less. I did not intend to spend 15 minutes ranting about traditions, but um, I think they're important. And I think that if I want to tie this back into actually what this podcast is about, we also used to have a tradition of sitting down and playing games together. Uh, we took a vacation every summer to this place called Block Island. It's a little island off of Rhode Island. Um, beautiful place. Uh, I lived in Florida. For those of you who know me, I, I lived in Florida for uh, 15, 16 years of my life. Uh, it's like 15 and a half. I rounded up to 16. The beaches of Block Island compete with some of the nicest beaches I've seen in Florida. Um the sand is beautiful. The dunes are, they've got that Cape Cod vibe to them. But one of my favorite things about going out there when we were younger is uh, the two places we stayed at pretty much up until my teenage years did not have cable. Wi-Fi wasn't a thing yet. Uh, the internet was barely a thing. Like the, the internet really entered households when I was a freshman in high school. Prior to that, it didn't. Yes, I am older than the internet. For those of you who want to know how old I am, I remember the birth of the internet. All right, just let that. Uh, Cape Cod salt and vinegar chips. Sorry, I just got distracted. One hundred percent, I co-sign that. Uh, you can ship them to my PO box. I'll get that to you. Um. So, 
coming back around to it. So what would we do? You know, we'd go to the beach all day. We'd grill out on the deck at night. And then what you do, right? Because you got all this time left. Dinner's done. You can only go shop at the store so much before you're broke. And we used to sit around. Scrabble was the number one game. Um, it was my mom's favorite game. And my competitive ass never lost at Scrabble. I, I didn't lose. The only person that ever beat me in Scrabble was my grandmother. Um, which was cool. Because like my mom's, I was my mom's final boss. And my grandma was my final boss. And then everybody else would just sit there wondering why we were flipping the table. But we used to have these traditions. Sitting around playing uh, Pinochle, which I don't even remember the rules of. But we used to play that. Scrabble. Uh, Parcheesi. Do you guys, is anybody else old enough to remember Parcheesi? I, I don't, I don't know if that's like a thing that, it, it was old when I was playing it. You know, like Monopoly old, but right, like Monopoly stayed popular because they kept rebranding it. Jurassic Park Monopoly, Home Alone Monopoly, what they have now, I think they have a Fortnite Monopoly now. Um... You know, yeah, I don't remember the rules to half of this stuff. Um, Pinochle, all I remember was we used to keep a bag of nuts and bolts. <laughs> I don't, I don't know why. I don't know if like you could use chips or if there's some alternative. But when we played it in my family, there was a bag of literal hardware that you had to have to play it. Like there was nuts and bolts and uh, washers, nuts, bolts, and washers, and that was part of. Um, the the tradition again you know it, everybody has their own rules like i honestly grew up thinking that free parking was part of the game did you guys know that free parking isn't really a rule it's a it's a house rule so for those of you who have no clue what i'm talking about because you live under a rock and have never played monopoly and ruined friendships and family bonds when you get a ticket or a fine or whatever you don't give that money to the bank you put it in the middle and then when somebody hits free parking, they get that money. That's not really a rule in Monopoly. What? I mean, even Ace Ventura shouted it out. Thanks for the free parking. Not a real thing. Sorry to break your childhood uh, memories and, and cause this great amount of trauma to you. But traditions are dope. Uh, I miss many of the traditions my family had. Uh, the big family gatherings, the family picnic every year, right? Like they do a picnic, a family picnic, like once every decade. Now we used to do that every year. Um, and I'd like to find a way with my, my Twitch community, with you guys to have our own traditions. I've, I've formed a few over COVID and here we go back into the games and, and back into what I was meaning to talk about before we get to the 20 minute mark in today's uh, broadcast. Um, the current state of games communities and promoting togetherness in a time where the world is what it is. Um, I have very intentionally in my life not gotten involved in, in everything that's happening in the world because I don't know enough. And I'm just going to flat out say that I don't know enough to speak on anything that's happening. I'm not a doctor. I don't know what's up with COVID. I'm not a person of color. I don't know your struggles. I'm not a police officer. I don't know your struggles. I'm not a politician. I don't know your struggles. 
The greatest post I ever saw was from a friend of mine, um, Angela Legg. She has a podcast of her own. I wish I knew the name of it right now. She is a woman of color, entrepreneur, podcaster, um, L-E-G-G is her last name. You should check her out if you haven't. Um, speaks of a lot of empowerment and a lot of just what it's like being her in the world today. Uh, but one of the greatest things I've learned and what I've kind of done to help myself during this time is she said, shut up and listen. So I have. Um, but as the world gets chaotic, I've been trying to focus on what's good and what's positive and what brings joy in an otherwise traumatic time. Right? Uh, yeah, I'll, from Twitch chat, uh, I will try to put in the link to this episode a link to her podcast uh if not at least the name of her podcast so y'all could go check it out i grew up with her and the thing i love about her story the most and i don't want to get too far off on speaking out of this is this is where i get concerned i don't want to speak out of line i don't know what she's comfortable in people knowing or not um angie as a person of color grew up in a town that was probably i think today they only have a three percent minority population there uh, I think that was the most recent statistic I heard. And it's a very affluent community. The median income is $45,000 above the national average. Um, so, you know, I, I she's a dope human. So I'll try to put that link in the bio um, for y'all. But coming back to today's topics and not getting sidetracked by the world. Um, communities on the internet, the support they provide and how developers promote that and have made it amazing during the time of COVID. 22 minutes into the episode, I finally got to what I wanted to talk about. All right. Um, I have recently been playing nothing new. Nothing. Everything I'm playing... Now, I want to correct myself here. It might be new to me. But it is not new to the world. And it made me reflect upon concepts right now in video games. I've said this in past episodes. And I know it's technically inappropriate to use a label of a disorder to describe something that's not related to that disorder. But I think it's the most relatable phrase I could use right now. And there's my apology before I go say the asshole thing. We live in the time of the ADD gamer. We cannot sit and focus on one thing for more than a month before we want either the next version of that thing or the newer, better version of that thing. Think about it. StarCraft is a game that's near and dear to my heart. When I think of the original StarCraft, I think of... And I will include Brood War in the original StarCraft. That game took up a decade of my life. And a decade into it, people were still innovating and trying new things. And patches were being put through. And balance changes were being th put through. And Blizzard, as a developer, cared about that game, nurtured that game, and nurtured that community. I think in today's world, Blizzard might be one of the biggest offenders of pushing the next biggest and greatest thing while letting what was pre previously in existence die. 
Another example of this. Okay, one of the most toxic communities out there. And let's put aside all the political turmoil in the background of it. How long has League of Legends been out? How many people still to this day play League of Legends? Right? You get weekly patches, weekly updates, new champions, reworks of old champions. It has been the Summoner's Rift is the only map. It is the only map. People still play it. Why? Because the dev team has continued to nurture and support it. Now, they could do a better job of nurturing and supporting their community, but I will say this. I actually uh, have an achievement on my profile. You can go check it out. Over 80% of my reports have led to action. So I put this back to if the community polices itself, they will uh, take care of it. But then let's look at the opposite side of this, right? So StarCraft was this amazing thing, and Blizzard kind of got away from what made it great. Why did Diablo 3 flop as hard as it did when Diablo 2 was such a success? But you said a lot of people love Diablo 3. Go compare the love of Diablo 2 to the love of Diablo 3. I was a Diablo 2 fanatic. I probably had over 50 playthroughs of that game. I modded it until, like, it was no longer the same game. I don't even think I hit level 20 on Diablo 3, right? But let's go to one of the biggest offenders in today's day and age. Call of Duty. I don't even know anymore. Is it Activision? Is it Treyarch? Who makes Call of Duty? It was on the Bungie launcher. I'm not the Bungie launcher. That's why I'm calling the Blizzard launcher now. Because for a while, what weren't, wasn't it Blizzard Activision, Bungie, whatever? I don't know. I don't know anymore. I can't keep up with it. Call of Duty has mass-produced reskinned games, and we've gobbled it up. Think about it. Every six months, you will get a Call of Duty. Every six months, you will get a new Call of Duty. And you'll get three DLC packs between each one. And then what happens as soon as the newest Call of Duty comes out? If I own Black Ops 3, what does it look like right now? Right? Like, if we think about when these games are being released versus when the support for these games dies because they are pushing the next biggest and best thing. Devs have created... Sorry again, the ADD Gamer. We know it's coming. It's almost like how casinos abuse that endorphin rush we get when we win. We know we're going to lose. When I buy a Call of Duty game, I know I'm going to lose. I know it's going to have launch day server issues. For the first two months, it's going to be full of hackers. And by the time the servers get stabilized and they put an effective anti-cheat system in, you're going to be releasing your next title. Where's the lie? Show me the lie. Does it? I mean, right? I'll wait, chat. If, if, somebody can, if somebody can show me the lie. Now, many of you know, I have been very 
uh, big on Warzone. After I just pooped on Call of Duty for forever. Step number one that they did to make it correct. Free to play. <laughs> I, it was no risk. I didn't have to get your terrible remake of Modern Warfare. Right? Um, I played it on launch. I played it with many people that are in chat right now. It was awful. It was unplayable. It was glitchy. It was clunky. Uh, there was no balance to it. Ten-year-olds on, on towers with sniper rifles dominated everything. But rather than pushing it aside for the next version, the next edition of it, the devs buckled down, and they worked on it. And I took probably two to three months off of playing the game. And the next time I came back, it was amazing. I want people to support developers that don't give up on their products, don't give up on their communities. So recently I've been playing three games more than any other game. If you took these three games and put them against the rest of my game library, they would easily surpass it 200%. I don't think a single one of these games is newer than three years old. I could be wrong because one of them I totally forget when it released, but I know that one of them is five years old, one of them is four years old, and then I can't remember how old the last one is. But it's definitely at least two years old. And what brought me back around to them? Dedicated dev teams that realized they did not deliver on their, pro uh, their promise of initial product and corrected it. Something Bethesda can learn from. Although I have heard the Fallout 76 patch they put through is pretty good. Um, it's also from people that were paid to play that. We all fell into the Valorant drops trap. Oof. Yeah, right. I could compliment you with my left hand and smack you with my right. Anyways. So, if you haven't checked them out in a while, or you haven't come by the stream in a while, a couple games I could recommend for you guys out there that are old. You can usually find them on sale. I think they're $20 or less to get involved in. And one of them is even available on Xbox Game Pass. So let's start with Terraria, 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 whatever you want to call it. I don't care. I was introduced to Starbound before Terraria. And at the time I played Starbound, it had so much more to offer than Terraria did. So I had no interest in Terraria. About a month ago, maybe, maybe a little less, John and I were trying to figure out a co-op game we could play. If you're familiar with the channel, you know my buddy John. I play a lot of games with him. And for $8.99, I could pick up a title that a lot of people were complimenting. Now, if you look at Twitch, it's suddenly in the hype category. It's got a lot of attention. It's got a lot of uh, people playing it right now. And it made me question, why are folks coming back to a game that's four or five years old? Because people never stop developing the game. Terraria now is in uh, what they call it, endgame state or, or death state or whatever. There will be no future updates. But as the coup de grace, the dev team left 
an amazing, beautiful update with hundreds of hours of content if you want to go explore it. And after playing the game and seeing what they put in, I can't help but to want to support and spread the message. Yeah, the game is done. It, I mean, it's literally, it's officially dead. There will never be another update to it. However, what is there is so beautiful and such a labor of love that it deserves your attention if you haven't tried it before. It's available, I believe, on every platform. You get it on Switch, Xbox, PlayStation, PC. It's, it's out there. You could pick it up. Like I said, I think it retails for 10 bucks. I picked it up on Humble Bundle for 8 I would gladly pay 30 for it. I think it's a $30 game. And it's a dead game. So if you haven't checked it out, uh, D-Logic, ReLogic um, are the developers. I think it's ReLogic. A very small indie dev team. Labor of love, beautiful game, so much to do in it. Um, tons to explore, boss fights, stuff that makes you laugh, stuff that you got to take serious. There's bullet hell moments. There's dungeon exploring. There's cute, funny little moments. Um, amazing little game to play with the community. I believe you have up to eight players on the default setting. I have heard that servers can be modded to have upwards of 100 players on them. I've never done such a thing. Um, a very open world like Minecraft, but in a 2D setting. Check it out. Give it give it a playthrough. Give it some love. Um, it's it's worth it. And just like when the producers of Sonic were like, wait a minute, the community's not happy with this. Let's let's change it and listen to the community. I think we need to start celebrating game developers that are willing to listen to their community and deliver on their promises. Game number two. And this is a love or hate game. I got you on this. But... It's another game that devs never gave up on. They realized the potential of what it could be, and we're not going to stop until that was actualized. And this is the game that PUBG should have given us. All right? Um, Escape from Tarkov. I know I've talked about this one before. I've talked about how much I've played it before. A lot of people don't realize Tarkov has been out for almost five years. Yes, there was alpha testing. Yes, there was beta testing. It's still technically not 1.0. I've owned it since January. Um, I know this because if I had bought it before Christmas, I would have got a dope reward package. Damn it. Once again, devs celebrating their community, sticking with them. Um, so I got it in, in January of this year. And while fun, it reminded me of a mod not a standalone. It felt like somebody took first person Daisy, right? The Arma mod version of Daisy. It tried to make a standalone game out of it. The UI hung, servers constantly disconnected, riddled with hackers. Uh, kind of felt like instance deathmatch. The AI didn't provide a lot of depth. I gave it time because I'm a sucker for for looter shooters, which is kind of at heart what this is. And I truly felt that revitalization of 
that DayZ vibe inside of me. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, the way you go into these individual missions and you're looking for items to improve your hideout, to make better guns, to have things in your stash, but you could lose them. For those of you who don't know, uh, you load into a raid. Raids can have anywhere from, I believe, 4 to 12 other players. Um, a AI NPCs all over the place, constantly spawning on various different levels of difficulty. Um, and if you die, you lose what you have on you. Other people could pick it up and bring it into their stash. Fast forward from January's clunky, feeling like a mod version. I, I probably picked it up again in March, uh, right around the beginning of the COVID shutdown. And I was like, damn, this vastly improved. It's probably the, if we were to line up the episode I talked about Escape from Tarkov, it was probably around this, this patch. And what they focused on with the, the March or April patch, and this is where I have to give them credit, was not on providing more skins. They didn't add any new levels. They didn't add any new weapons. They didn't add any new enemies. They focused on matchmaking, networking, and stability. Did I run into some issues? Yeah. But could I see a night and day improvement? Absolutely. Fast forward into April. Hey guys, we're going to do a big wipe with a major patch. We're going to be introducing smaller weekly updates from now until patch day. So please know, I think it was Tuesdays. Please know servers are going to be down for like half an hour every Tuesday. And without fail, we got 12.4, 12.5. I think we're on 12.6 or 7 right now. And with each patch, the game got even more stable. More bug fixes. Focusing on the tiny things. Still no purchasable skins, guys. Still, still no new fancy shiny toy to go pay $9.99 for, even though you already bought the game. I don't know what they called this patch when the wipe hit. Um, what they do with a wipe is they reset everybody. Your levels reset, all the items you have reset, your hideout is reset. The game starts all over again. I personally think they could call it 1.0 right now. And I celebrate this because I was a huge fan of PUBG. I installed and tried to play around a PUBG last week. It is still as clunky and glitchy and laggy as it ever was. But yet, they still have Dr. Disrespect skins, and they still have Lupo skins, and they still have Shroud skins, and you can still pay for drop boxes and crates and items and insert your microtransactions here on an infrastructure that sucks. Does Tarkov have pay-to-win aspects? I'll, I'll be honest with you, yeah. Yeah, it does. You could buy a larger stash. You could buy better starter weapons. Sure. But at the same time, I could shoot you in the face and take those off of you. So you could go ahead and buy me my HK. Thank you. The last game um, that I want to put out there... And yes, Dale, you already called it in chat. I've been playing a lot on stream, so I'm sure there's no surprise for those that hang out around here. Sea of Thieves. I was in the closed alpha or beta or whatever it was of Sea of Thieves. 
I was one of those that was a Sea of Thieves fanboy from the moment I saw the water. I still to this day will get on just to sail around. But the criticism was very true that they gave us a very beautiful world with nothing to do. Um, the storylines were all the same. It was go fetch for this group, go fetch for that group, go fetch for this group. PvP has always been fun in the game. But you have to be on a server where there's other pirates. And guess what? Sometimes you're not. Uh, PvP is just as strong now as it ever was. Those who were hanging around the stream last night, you saw us take down Karen. Um, and man, that's the other thing I gotta give credit to Sea of Thieves for doing, right? So, I've had this experience multiple times. For those of you who are not familiar, Sea of Thieves is made by Rare. Um, it is on Xbox. It's on the Game Pass. For those of you who have Xbox Game Pass, which I think I might be purchasing. John, I think you're winning this battle. Um... It's on the PC through the Xbox Companion app or whatever it's called. Xbox Console Companion. Whatever. If you've got a Windows machine, you get it on your PC. Um, just go through your Windows store and you'll find it. No problem. It's also on Steam. Oh, PogChamp. I just remember that. And that's the way. Actually, forget all that crap I said about the Xbox Companion app. If you're just now getting Sea of Thieves, grab it on Steam. Have a much easier time of getting into your servers and playing with your friends via Steam. Oh my god, I'm punching everything right now. If you guys could see me with, if I have my webcam on, I am I am not I'm not Italian, but I'm going Italian here. I'm hand motioning everywhere. I'm pretty sure that's an Irish thing too. I refuse to I refuse to believe that us Irish folks are hand talkers. Alright. Um pick it up on Steam. Sea of Thieves. Back to what I was actually thinking about. So they have a podcast. I didn't know this. Sea of Thieves, the dev team has a podcast. I believe they also do it as a live stream broadcast every single week. And they've done this every single week since the alpha days where they are telling you what they're working on, what the next big update's going to be, what the team's pursuing, what their goals are, what they're hoping for, taking feedback from the community. I don't know of many games or developer teams out there in chat, I open this up if you could help me out here. I've never heard of that happening before on that level. I know that Xbox does their, their summits or whatever they're called. I know that PlayStation has a version of that and Nintendo. I know that they do it at like the big cons, the E3s and the BlizzCons and so on and so forth. But I don't know that I've ever heard of... Um, actually, that's a lie because one of the games I mentioned on here does that. Uh, Nikita, the lead programmer for Escape from Tarkov, hosts a weekly thing on Twitch where he talks about the state of Tarkov. Um, Chucklefish and Stardew, uh, I guess, is also pretty open, but but not to that extent. Um, but Sea of Thieves has really done this great job of developing the game. And they've added more in. They've added more storylines, more quests, more things to do that don't look the same. Um, more than just fetch. They've The current thing that we've been playing this week is the Tall Tales, which I believe end today, and I'm kind of sad about it, but I've heard that's being replaced by the next big thing. Um, we're just riddle, riddle solving and, and puzzles. And I totally forgot to go back and talk about the rivalries. This is how excited I get about Sea of Thieves. The rivalries that you could create while in a game. 
So last night, here we are doing a tall tale. And we're trying to solve these riddles, and we're struggling. We're, we're struggling, all right? But it's very clear that these people nearby are also trying to solve the riddles because we keep seeing them kind of at the same islands as us. Um, they're in the same part of the world. They're doing the same sort of things as us, and we keep crossing paths with them. And me being the jerk I am, I'm in a pirate game. I pick a fight with them. And uh, we named her Karen. We ran to Karen, and she was very upset that in a pirate game, I tried to steal the treasure on her ship. Uh, to the point that she yelled at me. I believe her exact words were, Do you have nothing better to do in this game than mess with us? To which my response was, Yes. And I proceeded to die to Karen. But I killed the rest of Karen's crew. Fast forward about 20 minutes. Here we are out in the world doing our quests and a ship rams into us and who is it karen karen and her crew now the reason karen was originally upset was i attacked her at a port of call for those of you who don't know how see if these works you go out into the world on what's called a voyage a mission and you're going to get treasure chests or cursed skulls or merchant goods like silk and sugar you collect them, and then you bring them back to the person that sent you on the voyage. And there's probably um, six to eight outposts throughout the world that you could bring these goods back to. It's sell them to the, the merchants of that style, the gold hoarders, or I forgot what the cursed skull people are called. I just call them the cursed skulls, or the, uh, the merchants, the regular old um, boring merchants. Karen was trying to turn in her goods. I'm a pirate, damn it. I want what you have on your boat. I don't want to go out into the world and work for it. I want to benefit from the sweat of your brow. Give me your shit, Karen. Well, Karen successfully defended her shit. Now, after she had an empty ship and nothing to lose, she had no problem coming to hunt us down. And the thing I love about my crew... We had about 20K in gold on us. Um, we had, for those of you who are familiar, we had like two ashen chests, a couple reaper chests, a couple skeleton chests, more skulls than I could count. Um, all villainous skulls. And I forgot what the other one's called. It's the, the equivalent of a skeleton chest. We probably had about 20K of gold on our ship. And the question came up, guys, do we go cash in or do we go fight Karen? And you know what the response from my pirate crew was. We spent the next half an hour destroying Karen. In the process, we might have destroyed ourselves and sunk that 20k of gold. Um, Karen's ship rammed us. We all boarded, killed them, sunk their ship, went to go swim back to ours. Gone. <laughs> Nobody was patching the holes and we were taking on water from where she rammed us. But the point is, is that Sea of Thieves has continued to support the game. And even when the community left because they did not deliver upon launch what we all were expecting in the beta, we were told there's going to be seven sea monsters. Uh, data miners have found that there are seven sea monsters listed in the game. We didn't get any. Now we have the Kraken. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Pause for like the next two minutes. Uh, we have the Kraken. 
we have the Megalodon, and we have the pirate ship that I know of. These are just the things I know of. Um, and what I'm hoping to have happen, because Megalodon and pirate ship came from quest lines, I'm hoping that whatever this quest line is that the tall tale leads to gives us something new that's roaming the map to be um, concerned with. Um, there's Ashen Guardians out there that will kill you. They don't cur. They have zero cur. Skull forts are still a thing. Uh, this idea of a mercenary group known as Reaper and his, his hideout uh, and having to go specifically to one island, I think it's a really cool dynamic that they brought. So, like, regular outpost merchant goods, you go to any outpost. Reaper, you have to go to his island. And the very first time we went there, we walked into his little upside-down ship hole and got immediately hit in the face with grenades. I don't know what they're actually called. They're like blast balls or something like that. They're glass jars filled with shrapnel explosives, and they hurt. Uh, but thankfully, Goon protected me, and we, we, turned in the, we turned in the treasure chest, and life was good. And people are coming back to see it, Thieves. People that had given up on it. And it needs to be congratulated when rather than failing and accepting their failing and making as much money as they can off the cash grab, people stick with the game to bring it to fruition, to actualize the original promise. In a world where so many people are buying $20 early access games on Steam and then feeling like we get ripped off because what we are promised in early access and Kickstarter never becomes a thing. It's nice to see devs finally delivering on what they told the community they would create for us. A couple honorable mentions that I myself have not played, but when I've talked about this topic in my channel or in other people's channel um, lately, they've told me they are very similar. I have heard that the Daisy standalone game has come a very long way and is very close to what was originally promised. I know Daisy could be got uh, purchased on Steam. Um, check it out if you have not. See if it's for you. But I've heard it's come very long ways. Star Citizen has made immense strides in the time that I've been watching its development. I believe it's still considered very early access. It has been a Kickstarter funded game for the most part um, it is not on steam they have you have to get their own launcher through their website it's a mostly crowdfunded game um, what i've been watching of it though is absolutely gorgeous and the growth that that game has made amazing still buggy still glitchy still has its hang-ups but they're fully acknowledging that and working on it um, which is that that's all we ask as a gaming community community um don't give up on it. When we tell you a bug exists, don't start working on your next title to fix it. Fix it in the title I already purchased. All right. There was one other one I wanted to put out there, and I cannot for the life of me remember it right now. Um, but what I'm keeping an eye on is Valorant. I was very into Valorant when I got into the beta. I enjoyed it as somebody that always has loved the CSGO playstyle, but did not have the reflexes to play CSGO. Um, it tastes kind of like Overwatch did uh, tactic into play so that if you are not the best first person shooter player, you could out strategize your opponent. 
and I was very much so into Valorant until we ran into some of the issues. Uh, the UI is still terrible. Getting into parties is getting a little bit better. Hackers, they've been working on uh, counteracting the hackers. Um, I would like to see them fix the bug where you go full screen. And if you're on dual, dual monitor setup, it absolutely jacks up your second monitor. As a content creator that has to tab out sometimes to do things, uh, to mess with OBS or whatever, to lose chat for that three to five minutes is obnoxious. Um, please fix these things. If Riot puts the care into Valorant that it put into League of Legends... It could be a great game. I mean, look how long CSGO has lasted. Look how old CS is and how it's still supported. You make a good game, people will stand behind you. I think what devs need to remember is that they cater to us. We don't cater to them. And the sooner that we as a gaming community realize this, the better we'll be. We need to stop supporting these people that don't care and just want to push out their cash grab it start supporting these dev teams that make it a labor of love and fulfill their commitment to us the gamer on that note um we play sea of thieves on my twitch channel twitch.tv slash e-s-d-a-n the legend no spaces s-d-a-n the legend uh we play terraria we play tarkov Tarkov, not as much on stream, but if you message me or get into the Discord, I can let you know when we do play Tarkov, uh, usually early afternoon time. Actually, right around when I'm doing this broadcast right now is usually when we're Tarkoving. I want to get into things like uh, Civ Six. I love this idea that in a time where the world's so separated, there are so many supported, squad-based, cooperative-based games that are doing great things. Let's work together to achieve something. Even if that thing we're achieving is stomping Karen in her pumpkin spice latte. Come on by. Come join the community. Let's put some positivity out there. A couple quick shout outs um, that I want to make sure that I get out there for those who actually care about these sorts of things. Um, on the concept of community building. If you're just looking for a place to hang out. Maybe you're working from home and you're trying to kill some time. You want to laugh a little bit, be partially involved in an activity, but you really can't commit to playing a game. I implore you to check out twitch.tv slash spoo. S-P-O-O-O. That's three O's, the letter, not the number. Spoo does marbles on stream, which is not something that's particularly my cup of tea, but I do know it is the cup of tea of many out there. It's a fantastic little place to hang out, get some laughs. Spoo is very entertaining. Marbles as a game is something that you don't have to sit and focus on. Um, you jump in when you want to. You choose to opt out, and you can come back in whenever. So, great community. Check out Spoo. If you are into the RPGs, the speed running, or just looking at a nerd, uh, I do invite you to check out friend of the channel. Hey, it's Dale. That's Hey, with two Y's, it's Dale. One word, no spaces, nothing fancy. And if you're into the GTA online stuff, um, I was hoping he would be in chat because I don't know how to spell Rourke's channel. 
off the top of my head. I'll try to make sure all these links are in the description of uh, the podcast. Uh, Rourke does GTA Online Heist. He also has a very big YouTube channel for things like The Escapist. And if you're into a really cool concept, this is the last one, I promise. I'm, I'm not trying to spam you guys with a bunch of sponsored stuff. They're not sponsored. I'm just trying to promote promote friends that create good content. A really cool concept that it's something that I'm... Uh, it fits our theme of the day. Dev sticking with something to bring it to fruition. One of the coolest concepts I've seen on Twitch and I would love to see grow. Uh, a buddy of ours, originally known as Iron Fire, now known as Book Club for Games. He streams from noon to 4 Eastern. I think it's Monday through Saturday with a Sunday recap. Um, if you go check out, he's got a website within and everything. If you go to his Twitch channel down his panels, Book Club for Games, he focuses on one game a week. And he plays it until completion, pretty much. And then on Sunday, he discusses it with either those who watched it take place or those who also played along. The idea is to create essentially the book club experience, but for gamers. It's one of the coolest concepts I've heard of on Twitch. And it's something that I catch uh, while I'm at work. I'm not a big viewer of Twitch. All these channels are channels I actually spend time in, which is why I co-sign them. So please go check them out. They're really bringing people together in a time where everything's so fractured and separated. Um, I'll try to make sure I have the link to Angie's podcast for you, the link to all these Twitch channels for you. If I forget anything, please come hop by the Discord, DM me, ask me, ask any of the members of the community. We all support each other. They can all guide you to these places if I cannot. Thank you for hanging out for this hour-long episode of Bored and Nerdy, where we rambled and talked about everything, but that's what happens when we do this live. Until I catch you guys again, please do indeed. Stay gold, pony boy.